in many parts of the world, Christians are experiencing incredible persecution. According to Open Doors, it's estimated that 260 million Christians experience high levels of persecution for their faith. And last year, nearly 3,000 Christians were killed for their faith. Thankfully, we don't experience anywhere near that level of violence in Ireland. However, if we do follow Jesus, we can often face criticism or condemnation or ridicule and rejection. So, how should we respond to this difficult reality? Well, on his last night before going to the cross, Jesus told his disciples that this was going to happen and he told them why. And he encouraged them not to give up, but to keep witnessing in this hostile world. So we're going to continue in John chapter 15. And we're going to break in at verse 18. So John chapter 15, verse 18. If you have a Bible, uh, open it up. John chapter 15, verse 18. I'm going to read down to chapter 16 in verse 4. If the world hates you, Keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world. But I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember the words I have spoken, I spoke to you. No servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name. For they, they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoke, spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. Now, however, they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father as well. If I had not done among them what no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen these miracles, and yet they have hated both me and my Father. But this is to fulfill what is written in their law. They hated me without reason. When the Counselor comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. All this I've told you, so that you will not go astray. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, a time is coming when anyone who kills you will think he is offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I've told you this, so that when the time comes, you will remember that I warned you. I did not tell you this at first because I was with you. We live in a world of 24-hour news coverage and also where news, where movies and TV shows uh, continue to push the limits of, of violence and brutality. And yet I think we can still be surprised and shocked when we hear about some of the things that happen in this world. Some of the incredibly dishonest or destructive or selfish or cruel or vicious things. You ever said to yourself, or maybe to somebody else, I can't believe that someone would do such a thing. 
think we can also be similarly surprised when bad things happen in our lives. When someone ridicules us or tells lies about us or rejects us or belittles us or launches an online campaign against us, we can be shocked. I can't believe that this could happen to me, we might say. But really we shouldn't be surprised. The Bible warns us that evil will be present in this world because people continue to reject God. So Romans chapter 1 verse 29 says, They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit and malice. And the list just goes on. So we don't need to panic or freak out when these kind of things happen. As if something unusual or surprising is happening. And Jesus made it clear that his followers would not be sheltered from this. They wouldn't be kind of bubble wrapped so that nothing of, none of these things would touch them. Rather, Jesus said that because they are his followers, they will suffer it even more with increasingly violent opposition. That's the progression that you actually see in this passage as we read it. So Jesus started by saying that the world hates you. Now the world here, it's not the universe. We're not talking about the the physical cosmos when we talk about the world here, when Jesus talks about the world here. The world, the physical world, is the world that Jesus made and sustains. John chapter 1 verse 10, the, the world was made through him. He is the creator of this, this, this world. Neither are we talking about though, just the world of humanity. The world of every human being who lives on this, on this planet. Because of course, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. So, God made this physical world and God loves the world of humanity, of everybody. But when Jesus talks about the world here, He's talking about the world system that has set itself up in opposition, in opposition to and rebellion against God. So John can write in his letter, everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eye, the boasting of what he has and does comes not from the Father, but from the world. And it's not surprising that this world system detests the followers of Jesus then. So John in his letter again says, Do not be surprised, my brothers, if the world hates you. Don't be surprised. And as a result of this hatred, the the world will persecute the followers of Jesus. That's the next stage. Verse 20, they will persecute you also. So they'll hate you and they'll persecute you. They'll not just despise the followers of Jesus, they'll also systematically oppress them and harass them. They'll criticise, ridicule, bully, intimidate. This is what we're supposed to expect in this world. This is what Paul says, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. 
It's a promise. And as a result, Christians will also often be excluded from their communities. Verse 2 of chapter 16, Jesus said, they will put you out of their synagogues. This excommunication, it wasn't just to exclude those Jewish believers from the, the worship services, from the religious practices of their community. This would also block them from Jewish businesses and also just from social life in general. They'd be pushed right to the edge of their society. And these days Christians are often prevented from being able to meet together to worship or to get access to education or to run their business or to get certain jobs or promotions. It puts them still on the fringe of society and it leaves them vulnerable to poverty or even to more direct attacks. And that's what Jesus warned his disciples. Verse 2 again. A time is coming when anyone who kills you will think he is offering a service to God. I read that it is estimated that in the 20th century, more Christians were killed for their faith than all the other 19 centuries put together. The estimation is something like 26 million Christians were killed just because they were followers of Jesus. But again, we shouldn't be surprised by this. Jesus promised that this would happen. So verse 4, I have told you this so that when the time comes, you will remember that I warned you. Jesus was warning his disciples. He didn't want them to be surprised. He didn't want them to be shocked that this would happen. So Peter wrote in his letter, Do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering as though something strange were happening to you. And so, even although, thankfully in Ireland, this doesn't happen, we're spared the most blatant and violent forms of this opposition. We really shouldn't be surprised that people hate us, or persecute us, or exclude us, just because we follow Jesus. Don't be surprised. Jesus has warned that it's going to happen so that it doesn't shock us. But why should the world treat us like this? Well, Jesus gives us some reasons here. First of all, verse 18. First of all, because we're identified with Christ. Jesus says, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. The world system clearly hated Jesus. The world system clearly hated Jesus. Well, he was born in Bethlehem. King Herod did all that he could to kill them. He gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity where they, where, who were two years old and under. So the world system hated Jesus right from the start of his life on earth. And then during his public ministry, despite initial popularity, the majority rejected him. It says he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. And then ultimately, at his trial, 
When given the opportunity to decide what to do with Jesus, the crowds shouted, crucify him. Crucify him. So this world system clearly hated Jesus. And if they hated Jesus, then they're also going to hate all who are identified with Jesus. Through their faith and their commitment to him. Jesus reminded his disciples of a principle that he first taught in chapter 13. He said, no servant is greater than his master. Don't know if you remember, Jesus was saying that because he was calling us to follow his example of humble service. So as if he, the master, follow, uh, washed his disciples' feet, then we also should be willing to serve in those humble ways, those practical ways. But this time, he applied this teaching, this principle, to how the world system will treat us. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. This is the principle. It's a real privilege for us to be identified with Christ. To bear His name if we have faith in Him. But that identification also means that the world will respond to us in the way that it responded to Jesus. So those who have responded in faith and commitment, they will love us as family. But those who have responded with hatred and rejection of Jesus, well, they will hate and reject us. But the world will also treat us this way. Well, because we don't belong to it. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I've chosen you out of the world. When Jesus calls us and chose us to be his children, as we've been celebrating this morning, he called us to come out of the world. He called us out of the world. So our home is with Christ. We are citizens of heaven. So we don't belong to that world system any longer. Peter wrote that we are aliens and strangers in this world. We don't belong here. So if we're following Jesus, we're going to stand out as being different. Because we're going to live with different goals and ambitions, different priorities and and standards, different desires, different lifestyle. Because we've got a different Lord. And the world doesn't like it. The world doesn't like people who live differently. Of course, the Jews thought that the disciples had this all wrong, didn't they? The Jews thought that they were the ones who were following God, not Jesus and his disciples. That's why Jesus said, anyone who kills you will think he is offering a service to God. And still... In many countries today, Christians are killed in the name of God. But Jesus said that this is because they don't know the one who sent me. They are doing this in God's name, but that's because they don't know God. 
They don't understand God. They don't follow God. And that's because Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. So that anyone who rejects Jesus rejects God. Jesus said this again in verse 23 of our chapter. He said, He who hates me hates my Father as well. We cannot know God without knowing Jesus. If we reject Jesus, we've rejected God. So three reasons. But there's one last one. The world will not accept Jesus not only because we're identified with Christ. The world will not accept us because we're, we're identified with Christ because we don't belong to the world and because the world doesn't know God. But fourthly, the world will not accept Jesus because it hates the light. If I had not come and spoken to them, Jesus says, verse 22, they would not be guilty of sin. Now, however, they have no excuse for their sin. So maybe if you explain that a little bit. Jesus didn't mean this in an absolute sense. Okay? With or without meeting Jesus, people have no excuse for their sin. Romans chapter 1 says this. It says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made. So that men are without excuse. We as human beings should be able to look at the world around us and see enough about God that we recognise that we are without excuse when we reject his standards and we, and we rebel against them. But here Jesus is saying that the revelation that he brought is so complete, it's so convincing, it's so clear, even compared to creation. Especially with all the miraculous signs that John has described in his Gospel. That the people have absolutely no excuse for not believing in him. The only reason that they remain in their rejection of Jesus is that they don't want to come into the light. Because they don't want their sin exposed. John said that in chapter 3 verse 19. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. So people rejected Jesus, not because he didn't give them enough evidence to put their faith in him. But because they didn't like the fact of his light shining into their lives and exposing their sin. So if people, didn't, if people rejected Jesus because they didn't want to come into his light, then they're going to reject his disciples who are called to shine the light of Jesus in this world. So what does all this mean? Well, I think it means that there are just two sides in this world. And we need to pick one. We can't try and sit on the fence in this world. We can't remain neutral here. We're either identified with Christ 
or we're identified with the world. We either belong to Christ or we belong to this world. We either know God through our faith in Christ or we don't know God because we've rejected Jesus. We're either walking in the light or we hate the light because it shows up our sin. So we need to choose. Which group will we belong to? Because we can't sit on the fence. In fact, this is what James says in James chapter 4. He says, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred towards God? If we try and fit in with this world system, we're on the wrong side and we're hating God. Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. We either love God and are hated by this world system or we love the world and become an enemy of God. It's a clear choice that we have. So Jesus wanted his followers to know that the world hated them. And he wanted them to make that clear declaration. He wanted them to be willing to nail their colours to the mass and say, yeah, I'm with Jesus. No matter what it cost. But this is, was not so that they could just run and hide from the world somewhere. He wasn't encouraging them to kind of set up little communities away from everybody else and keep, keep their distance from this, this bad and evil world. Neither was it so that they could just learn to kind of keep their head down and avoid as much conflict as possible. You know, just you know, keep your mouth shut because you know the world hates you kind of thing. And said it was so that they would not be silenced by this opposition. So Jesus said to them, you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. Those disciples needed to testify about what they had seen and heard, because the world that hated them needed to hear the truth about Jesus. Now I know that when we're in the classroom, or when we're in the lecture hall, or the work canteen, or on the soccer pitch, or at the family dinner, or talking to the neighbour over the fence, and that topic of faith, or morality, or values, or even Jesus himself comes up, I know that it's far easier to hide to stay silent. Hope that nobody asks us directly. I remember those times eh, when I was at uni when I just wished the, kind of, the ground would just open up and swallow me. Eh, when we were sitting around in the, in the canteen and just somebody would just turn around and ask me what I thought about what they were talking about. But we must speak up. We can't stay silent. We are called to be his witnesses. We are called to testify about Jesus. To tell the world the great news of God's love and grace and his saving power through the cross. Because how else will people hear if we keep silent?
Listen to what Paul says in Romans 10.14. How then can they call on the one that they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? It's tough, isn't it? It can be awkward. But we need to share this wonderful gospel message that's been entrusted to us. We're not playing at this, folks. We're not just here because we enjoy being here on a Sunday morning. We actually believe this is true, don't we? We actually believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven, that those outside of Christ are going to a lost eternity. So how are they going to hear this message? Unless we stand up and we speak up. This is what Peter wrote to the scattered and suffering church. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. And of course he goes on to say, but do this with gentleness and respect. That's not easy in the best of times. But how much harder is it when we're confronted by the hatred and opposition and ridicule of this world? But we don't need to stumble over this. Look at verse 1 of chapter 16. Jesus said, all this I have told you so that you will not go astray. Yes, it's going to be tough. But we don't need to panic. We don't need to panic as if God has lost control of this situation. Because after all, the Bible predicted that this was going to happen. Not just about our suffering here, through what Jesus is saying here, but also, Jesus' suffering on the cross was predicted in the, in, in the Bible. Jesus here refers back to the, the Psalms, where it refers to, says, They hated me without reason. God spoke about it in his word to show that he knew that this was going to happen. So he's still in control. He's got this. We don't need to panic. But we don't need to stumble because of it. Because also, we are identified because of it. The hatred of the world is horrible. And yet it's a confirmation that we belong to Christ. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. So when we're attacked because of Jesus, we're encouraged by Scripture to rejoice. To rejoice that we bear His name. What a privilege it is to bear the name of Jesus. We're also blessed through it. Do you remember this Uh, The last of the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Because great is your reward in heaven. We may lose out in so many ways on this earth. But we can rejoice. Because God is working through this struggle. And no matter what happens in the end, we are those who are blessed. We are blessed most because God is glorified through this. 
When God's people suffer, God is at work. Just like he was at work through Jesus. When was Jesus most glorified? Well, Jesus believed it when he was on the cross. When his love and his grace was most clearly demonstrated. But finally, we can also be encouraged because we're not alone in it. Verse 26. When the Counselor comes, the Spirit of Truth who goes out from the Father, He will testify about me. As you saw in chapter 14, the Holy Spirit is given to each one of us who have put our faith in Jesus. And He is the Spirit of Truth who will powerfully testify about Jesus in this world. But He's also the Counselor. He's also the advocate. He's also the encourager. He's also the helper. He's the one who comes alongside us to teach us, to remind us, to support us, to empower us as we live as a witness for Christ, even in this hostile world. This was Jesus' promise to his disciples. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. So this is the reality of what it means to live for Jesus. If we are identified with Christ, we will be hated in this world. But no matter how tough it gets, we don't need to be surprised by it. We mustn't try and sit on the fence because of it. We mustn't be silent in it. But we don't need to stumble over it. Jesus is still in charge of this world. And his Holy Spirit is with us. And he will empower us to serve him in it. And to see his kingdom grow.